Welcome to The Cut on Tuesdays on Thursday. I'm Stella Bugby, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life This is How I Get It Done, The Cut series about ambitious women and the way they live. How they deal with their inboxes, people's feelings, their grocery shopping, their morning routines. It's part advice column, part love letter, part voyeurism. This week I spoke with fashion designer Cynthia Rowley. I've been wearing Cynthia's clothes since I was in high school. They're whimsical and arty and, I guess for a lack of better words, spunky. She's also designed home accessories, co-written books, and she makes the best wetsuit money can buy. Despite not having a background in business, Cynthia is also a remarkably successful businesswoman. She's involved in every detail of her Cynthia Rowley label. Okay, let me look at my, let me refresh. Because I really wrote a lot. She came to this interview prepared. Stop, because I was scared. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is a very relaxing. I know, but this is a big deal. And I was like, (laughs) I really wanted to like nail my my points. I started our conversation by asking Cynthia how she got her start as a fashion designer. It's so funny because I've been a fashion designer, I guess, my whole career. I started sewing when I was seven and making things, and I went to art school and eventually sort of accidentally got into fashion. But it's still like when I say I'm a fashion designer, I'm like, I'm a fat. Like, I, I'm still <laughs> convincing myself or something. It's Really? After all yeah, these years? Yeah, I don't years? know what that means. What, yeah. yeah. Have you been to I therapy guess, for that? Well, you know, it's like that imposter syndrome or whatever. Well, you, know? you still have imposter syndrome? I think so. And you've had a company under your own name <laughs> for how many years? <laughs> a long time. Do you know, want to hear something funny? Yeah. I wore a jumpsuit that you made to my prom. I knew you were going to say, <laughs> I knew it. Okay, so my... It was so cool. Wait, what did it, it, what did it, it look was, like? It um, was black crepe, like heavy oh, crepe. Yeah. And did it have beaded pockets? It had buttons up the whole left or right side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember Damn, that? Damn, I totally... Sleeveless? Yes. Okay, I totally remember <laughs> that. Not that I have like a, you know, photographic memory of the thousands and thousands of things I've designed, but I do remember that one. My design director that I've worked with for 16 years, I think, wore a CR dress to her prom, Really? Too. I felt so cool. It makes me feel a little old, but I'm okay with I that. I think you were very, I'll take it very as a young compliment. when you designed <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So, and I'm also old, so <laughs> it works. But we're going to dive right into it. And tell me a little bit about your childhood. I had a very creative childhood. I grew up in a really small town in Where? Illinois. In Illinois. Wow. Population 9,000. It's called Barrington, but we called it Borington <laughs> and Beerington when I was in high school. But, um, you know, my dad's a school teacher. My mom's a homemaker. So we didn't have a lot. And it was all about creativity, Back when you were growing up in Borington, Borington. <laughs> um, how would the other kids have described you? I was always kind of an outsider. And so in order to kind of be myself, you know, I think through clothes, it really is self-expression. And since I couldn't really have all the other things that other kids had, I 
decided I would just make my own clothes. And if I was going to make myself, you know, a puff sleeve top, I made the sleeves like really gigantic, you know, like everything was like over the top. And so you were compensating for. Yeah, I think so. And then, and then at first, you know, kids were like, what the hell? You know, like, <laughs> what, what is she wearing? But then after a while, people started to think it was kind of cool because it was different. Did other people ask you to make clothes for them back then? So I had a little business turning people's jeans into denim skirts. I think I charged like $10, and I would cut your jeans and then sew the little triangle in, you know. It took me about two seconds, and I was like, I'm rich. (laughs) (laughs) And did you go to—you said you went to art school. I went to the Art Institute in Chicago, and— thought I would become a painter and realized, I guess I had this revelation that I didn't want to be a bartender forever, <laughs> and so, which is the last real job I've ever had. <laughs> and so, you know, I draw, and so I thought I should become a designer because that'll be a much easier way to make a living. Ha. ha. I was going to say, has that turned out, <laughs> has that turned out for yeah. you? <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you know, after all these years, it's finally starting to, you know, work out for me. I've read that you started your company with a loan from your family. Um, How did you ask them for that loan? How'd you go about it? Well, wait a second. The loan was like $2,000, by the way. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not like my my dad uh, took a second mortgage on the home, but... What did you um, do with that $2,000? Well, I had $2,000 from the Art Institute, which was the fellowship award, and then um, $2,000 from my parents. I rented a U-Haul and peeled out of there as fast as I could and drove to New York and started making clothes. With that money? With that money. What did you, did you go to the garment district and buy fabric? I used to go to the garment district and buy fabric. I sewed everything myself, like, My first season, I think I sewed 400 and something pieces with my best friend. And the two of us, like, literally woke up in the morning, sewed till we couldn't keep our eyes open. I mean, maybe the fact that we were living on popcorn at the time. (laughs) Also, like, our nutritional uh, requirements weren't very fulfilled. We just made everything and hand-delivered to stores. And I really had no clue. I mean, going to art school is different than, like, going to Parsons or FIT. Like, I had no clue. People were like, you know, there's factories that will make this stuff for you. And I'm like, oh, awesome. That'll save me so much time, you know. Like, I really was clueless. (laughs) Tell me more crazy things that you did besides sew every single piece yourself. Um, Like, I just would have a runway show in my loft and, you know, invite everyone and you know, of course they wouldn't come, but, you, you know, I would still invite everyone. And, you know, like who, I would who's just somebody keep you doing would want to have been there but wasn't there? Well, actually, right before he died was when I first moved to New York, and I saw Andy Warhol in Ferrara's pastry shop, and he was just sitting there by himself drinking a coffee. And so I had just picked up the invitations for my show at, like, Kinko's or whatever. I saw him there, and I was like, okay, this is your chance, Cynthia. 
And so I reached in my bag. I took out an invitation. I walked up to his table, and I was like, excuse me, um, I'm a fashion designer, and I'm having a show, and I wanted to invite you. And I handed him the invitation. He looked up, and he didn't, like, take it out of my hands. So I just neatly and carefully set it on the table next to his coffee, and he said thanks, and then I ran away. But then I got on the phone with people, and I was like, well, Andy's definitely coming. He thanked me for inviting him, and, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he'll be there. And, and so he never showed up, obviously. Obviously. But other people did come, and the publisher from Women's Wear Daily came, and they reviewed it, and that was kind of like the beginning. What What did the review say? It was short and sweet. But, but it wasn't made. But it was there. <laughs> and, you know, I think at the time that was my goal was to, like, have these sort of, like, little things that would propel me forward. I never had a grand vision of myself riding around in limos with supermodels. You know, it was always just like, I don't want to be a bartender. <laughs> Maybe I can get a good meal one of these days. And if I can get in women's wear, that will be, you know, a great milestone. Where were you living then? I came to New York and I thought Barrack Street was 7th Avenue because, you know, if you're in fashion, you have to be on 7th Avenue. So I took a loft on Barrack Street and I lived and worked there. And I would have people come from the Art Institute to come and help me as interns, but they basically just got a place to sleep in New York City and helped me make my collection. Was it fun? It was so, so much fun. It still is fun. You know, I still, the great thing about all that was that I learned every single part of the business. As small as it was, I learned that bookkeeping is important (laughs) and shipping and logistics and PR and I can make a pattern, drape a garment, cut, sew, all of that. And, you know, I try to sort of foster that culture a little bit in the company still, where to really work well as a team, I feel like everybody needs to have a good understanding of everyone else's jobs. We work in a big open office that's loud and people communicate and, you know, have creative brainstorming sessions and All that goes on all day long. How many people do you have working for you now? Uh, I guess there's about 50. Wow. Something like that. Are you there every day making stuff? I work long hours. I work really hard. Basically, I'm involved in every part of the business. But, yeah, I'm there every every waking hour. (laughs) Every waking hour. Yeah, I'm in it deep. I was thinking about, you know, the balance of work and home and, you know, having a family. And I actually asked my girls, I was like, now that you're grown up enough to be able to answer this, do you think I work too much? Like, has it been an issue? And they were so adamant about the fact that they see that hard work is rewarding. They see it makes me happy. And, you know, it's, I hope, set a good example for them. But then conversely, hard work, you know, you have to have an escape. So we travel. And every little chunk of time that we have, that both kids are on vacation or whatever, we go. They're great travelers. 
carry-on only. No matter what it is, they go for it. They let me plan stuff. I may have pushed them over the edge with this recent surf trip to Senegal <laughs> or the four-day trip to Egypt. But Four days. Oh, that's we best. saw it all. But they go, you know, they're really like, and to me, that's the 24-7 family time. And that's what it's all about for me. So many women that I speak to for this particular podcast talk about setting examples for their daughters or their kids as a means of understanding their work ethic. And I find it super interesting. I mean, I I also feel that way. I haven't asked my children yet (laughs) whether they... Maybe maybe you don't have to. Yeah, like when they were little, they definitely did not see it that way. Um, Yeah, I think it takes time for them to realize that. Yeah, but I... I do feel like that's sort of an important way to think about being the boss. Uh, Are there like regular things that you do every morning to set yourself up to be able to tackle your day? Yeah. So I sleep with a notebook next to my bed because you know that time when you're waking up and your brain is half asleep, half awake? That for me is the most creative time. And what time of the day is that usually? Between 5.45 and 6.45, I would say. So I start like that, then wake up, coffee, dishes, laundry, 15 to 20-minute workout. I check all my news feeds, then shower and get ready while listening to stand-up comedy. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I listen to tons of—every morning I listen to stand-up comedy. Like what? I mean, only like 10, 15 minutes. Oh, I don't know. Like, it depends. I love Neil Brennan is hilarious. I don't know. I have a whole list. What does that do for you? It just, like, makes me—like, I wake up with a lot of things on my mind and, like, try to get that all out while I'm doing all these other things. And then I just want to, like, cleanse my palate have something happy and fun, and then I go out for the day. I ride city bikes everywhere. It's have fun. you always exercised your whole life? I um, I love sports. I'm like a sporty person, so I prefer to just do sports. One of the real pinnacles of my career was I threw out the first pitch at the Cubs game, <laughs> and I nailed it. <laughs> That was that was a highlight, and I really nailed it at sixty feet. You know, from the mound to home plate, people were like, "Were you nervous?" And I was like, "Only in the fact that I was so completely comfortable in front of a crowd of like sixty thousand people." And now I'm thinking, do I have to make a choice between fashion and professional baseball? (laughs) How did you? How long did you know in advance that you were going to be doing that? Uh, like three weeks. And I you think. practiced. Hell how, yeah! How did you practice? You don't go in like fifty cent and like throw the ball like all sideways like that, like he <laughs> did. No, I practiced with who? I have a friend who was um, on the softball team at her college, and she went out with me for like hours on the weekend, like the three weekends leading up to it, and like totally perfected my pitch. That's how you get it done. Yeah. Well, you're a big surfer, right? I love to surf. And you make amazing wetsuits. And that actually look 
like hot. hot and sexy on people that I've Those seen. Those wetsuits are like you my see a girl, pride and joy. They are amazing. But it makes it look like a, you look like a superhero. Like a superhero. Yeah, yeah. like a I know, super I, hot I actually villain. hope that, <laughs> I mean, I started doing it because nobody was doing it. And I had was just. Was that after you started surfing? You started? I had just started. And I was like, why isn't anybody making anything for women surfers? And I just started making them, and I just love making them. Are you sort of known now for that? Like, you still sort of are the only person making them really well. I think well. so. Yeah. I think so. Well, there's a reason, because they're really hard to make. Now it's easier than when we started. But people are, at the beginning, were sort of like, wait, I don't get it. You make pretty dresses and wetsuits. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, that's what I like it didn't make sense to most people would you say that you're the kind of person who likes a challenge somebody says to you 100 wetsuit can't be done and then i'm like well then i'm definitely gonna do it are there other things that you've done like that everything i always (laughs) think that i really think that every big thing that we do if it's not a 50 50 chance that it's gonna be epic or the end of my career, then it's not worth doing to me. <laughs> That's what I feel. I always say I feel like I'm running as fast as I can in front of the boredom train because I just really want to always be challenged, like literally every day have a challenge, take a risk. It's just the only way I can. I know how to exist. After the break, Cynthia describes launching a collection and having a baby at almost exactly the same time. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to The Cut on Tuesdays on Thursdays. I'm talking with fashion designer Cynthia Rowley. She's been designing clothes and running a business for decades. I asked her about the early days of running her label. Who were you most excited, like, in your early career to see wearing your clothes? Um, I mean, anyone? Can I say anyone? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I remember walking down the street and seeing someone in front of me and I had to run up to her and, like, tap her on the shoulder and be like, I made that, you know. What'd she say? She was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> run along now. Yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, I mean, in the beginning, like, 
a celebrity wearing it on the red carpet was is a thrill. And but like who who uh, made you? Julia Roberts was one of the first. And how did it feel to see Julia Roberts wearing? I mean, dresses? pretty amazing. Plus, I love. Did you her. know that it was going to happen? Because back then, no, it wasn't I didn't. So planned, she bought right? it at my store when my store first opened. Wow. What was it? Which one? It was a strapless satin, really simple dress. What color? Pink. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Did you call her or say, like, are you just, back then, like, it, the celebrity red carpet industrial complex had not, you know, yeah, it wasn't, developed into what it is now. Yeah. And you might not know a celebrity's going to wear your thing, or you then I actually had no way of even. I saw it in People magazine. Oh, wow. That so when pretty, you saw Julia Roberts wearing your pink slip dress, did you feel like you'd made it? I mean, that was that was a thrill. Actually, then I saw her not that long ago in a wetsuit of ours, <laughs> which better. was even better. <laughs> so, um, I guess just in terms of looking at your career, it's it's a nice long career in which you've had a lot of control. Were there ever times where you thought you might have to shut the business down or you were worried about the health of the business? There was a year that, in order, my husband died. Then they told me I was winning a CFDA award. And then my accountant said, I don't think this is going to work. I think you should shut down. All within about six months. And, you know, it's always highs and lows. And you can't ever be too impressed with the highs, and the lows are the lows, and you get through it. Was that the father of your children, or? No. It's, um, I was married to a photographer named Tom Sullivan, and he was, uh, he was, he was a photographer. And um, it happened pretty fast. He got sick and died within about six months. And um, and um, it probably contributes to the way I live my life in that I have this feeling that I say yes to everything because I just am so happy to have an opportunity to do something. When your accountant told you that the business might, might not work out, what steps did you take to I, save it? I went like full steamroller. I mean, I literally like sold every piece of inventory I had. I was doing anything to sort of make money. And uh, I started doing stuff without my name on it just to sell, to, you know, make the business work. And I mean, I always say that I'm a hustler (laughs) and I'm a little scrappy you know, I'm passionate about what I do. And so you need to have qualities like that to be able to persevere and connect all the dots and and make things work and grow and, you know, constantly evolve. And, you know, I still feel like you have to be constantly aware of every opportunity, always forward thinking, always pushing and curious. I read about everything and think, you know, would this work for us? Is this important? Is this going to have legs? Is this? And then at the same time, really innovating 
for our own company and trying to do things our own way that maybe has never been done before. When you decided to have a baby the first time, were you worried about how that decision would affect your business? I knew that I was just going to have to make it work. And what did you do? Did you, like, did you take a maternity leave? I kind of have a hard time talking about my maternity leave only because it was insane. Like, when I had Gigi, my second daughter, it was a Wednesday, I remember, and our show was the following Thursday. And my team got together Wednesday night, and they said, listen, you have a three-day window to give birth, or we're not going to be able to start fittings on Saturday. And so I was like, okay, got it. And I went home, and I went into labor, and I gave birth on Thursday. It was like the craziest thing. And we started fittings on Saturday. So I really had like a 48-hour maternity leave. But that sounds crazy, and I don't condone that, and I don't think people should do that. I'm just saying the circumstances were 48 hours. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? You know, when I was younger, I really did only work. Now I work and have a balance, but I wish I would have had a bunch more kids earlier. There's... (laughs) There's art I wish I would have bought. So what art would you have told yourself to buy? <laughs> I mean, some Basquiat, yeah. probably. And <laughs> buy that Basquiat. Yeah. Younger me. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good art that I would have told myself to buy. It's a good one. Buy the Maybe John Curran. Yeah. <laughs> more sex, more art, more kids, and more travel. Working That's it for this week's show. We'll see you next Tuesday. This episode was produced by Kimmy Regler and Chris Neary and was edited by Lynn Levy with mixing by Sam Baer. Our theme song is 9 to 5 by the one and only Dolly Parton. The Cut on Tuesdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 